Good morning. Am I on here? All right. How many have your notes? Wave them for me. I, I've noticed something this morning that there's a lot of people that are tired this morning. You know, it's all right to be tired during the singing. It's all right to be tired during class, you know, but in, in worship hour, that's a no-no. Amen? All right. So we're on this series entitled Hindrance. Uh, how many enjoyed the last two messages on hindrance? All right. How many was hard to deal with? Struggle with uh, <laughs> some of the issues. We're talking about hindrance, and what we're specifically talking about is how there's things in our life that hinder the work of God. All right, God wants to work through us, and well, He wants to work in us and through us, and we talked about that. But there's things in our life that hinder the Lord's work from progressing. Now, this series is built on three ideas, three big ideas. Number one, that God is always working. We've already dealt with this, just kind of recapping. God is always working. God is working and blessing and doing great things to people. All right? He's pouring out his blessings from heaven. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, and there's no shadow of turning with him. Okay, so God is always blessing, and he's always working. Jesus says he never sleeps, neither do I. We're always working. All right? I remember when I first became a Christ follower, I thought maybe he just came down and showed me himself and then he went off to do, deal with somebody else. But that's not God. God is sovereign. He's everywhere present. He was always working in my life, even on those bad things. When I think about it, those bad things that I grew up with and the rough stuff. I mean, God was involved in molding me and shaping me to what he wanted me to be. So that's the first big idea. The second big idea that this series is established on is that God not only does he do these great things, but he invites us to work with him. He invites us to partner with him to do all these great things in people's lives. All right, Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, says that we are co-labors together with God. All right, isn't that amazing? That God, the sovereign God that breathed breath into mankind, and he became a living soul, literally asked you, little old me, to come alongside with him and partner with him. Isn't that awesome? In doing all these great things in people's lives. All right? So that's the second big idea. The third big idea is this, that God is working in me and through me. Ephesians, we talked about Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So God created us with, with in mind that he had a specific task, a specific purpose that he wanted us to do, all right? You're not just here by an accident with nothing to do. God literally created you with a thought of things that he had in mind for you to do, all right? And so he wants to work through you, partner with you, work in people's lives. But it also says we are his workmanship, and that workmanship means, what do we say? masterpiece your life is a canvas where god is displaying his masterpiece as he begins to work in your life he's developing this great individual that he can use the problem is as he works in us and he's trying to transform us into the image of his son sometimes we get in the way amen 
<laughs> that was bad. <laughs> and that's what this series is really built upon. We get in the way and we hinder the work of God. We hinder with our faith that we talked about last week or our lack of faith can hinder the work of God. Now, this morning's message could be a little difficult if you look at it in the wrong way. We're going to talk about hypocrisy. How many know what hypocrisy is? All right. It's a little difficult to swallow. And sometimes people look at it in a negative way. But we're not going to do that. All right. We will look at this message as a positive message. Because if we can get hypocrisy out of the way, get it out of the way, God can work through us. Hypocrisy literally hinders the work of God. Okay, look what it says. It says, we hinder the work of God with our hypocrisy. How many here this morning say, honestly, I'm a hypocrite? Come on, everybody should be raising their hand, all right? We all are, all right? And so what we want to do is we want to deal with that, and specifically, we want to be able to get rid of our hypocrisy. Now, let me just give you the meaning here, or look on the screen hypocrisy is sometimes pretending to be something that we are not all right i i tried to go this morning to get a mask you know because we put on mask don't we to pretend to be something we're not sometimes depending on who we're around we'll put a mask on of spiritualness has anybody ever done that you have a little more spiritual than you really are sometimes has anybody ever done that or you're a little bit smarter with you around certain people That's pretty well always with your wife, right? All right? I mean, that, that's, that's the way we work, so, so we, we struggle. Uh, in a book called Unchristian, you might have heard of that book. It, it's basically a, a great book on taking statistics and different things of unchurched people and finding out their heartbeat. Well, Christianity has a, they have a bad rap right now, and it's because of this. Listen to what he writes in this book. Among the outsiders, 84% of the outsiders say that they personally know a committed Christian. Okay? Yet, just 15% of them have a lifestyle that is consistent with following Christ. He goes on to say this big thing, but the idea is this. That there is pretty well no difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. Everybody following? This book is saying that, that these say, they say they're a Christian, but they're not walking as a Christian. Okay? Here, here's, here's the thought. Sometimes we have these beliefs, and there's this gap between what we believe and what we really believe. And what we practice. Okay? We say that we believe in sex, Right? In the context of marriage. Can I hear an amen? amen? All right. And then Christians just go ahead and have it anyway. Outside of marriage. This is what the world's saying about us. Okay. We have these standards that we're not living up to. Now, now I didn't say that. The, this book, and then they say, oh, Christians say you're supposed to abuse alcohol. And then they turn around and abuse it. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how do we get this kind of rap? I mean, it's the reality. I mean, how many of us know that the Bible says we're not supposed to worry? But how many of us 
worry and we fret and we get upset and we pound our... I mean, they're, they're right. There is this gap between what we believe and what we really believe. Do we, we worry because sometimes we question the sovereignty of God. Is Romans 8, 28 really true? I mean, do all things work together for my good? Has the sovereign God got his fingers in every detail of my life, just working it out for my best interest and my children's and my spouse's and, 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 and just my best interest? Well, that's what the scripture says. But then when things happen that doesn't go our way, what do we do? I mean, we fret, we worry, we act just like those outsiders. They call them outsiders. And so they got a point. And so what we want to do is we want to close that gap. That's what we need to do. We need to close that gap. Why? Because here's, here's, here's the problem. Let's put it on the screen. God wants to use your life to bring others to faith in Him. Okay? God wants to use your life to bring others to faith in Him. But if they see, now listen, if they see that you are not matching up to what you believe, what's that do? It pushes people away from the faith. Isn't that what's happening today? Isn't it? People are literally leaving by the scores, the church, and this is the main reason they're saying, is because we're not practicing what we preach. So hypocrisy pushes people away from the cause of Christ, from, from, from being saved. Listen listen what C.S. Lewis said. When Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. <laughs> We're making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. Okay? So the last thing we want, and we know our hearts. We're here this morning. Our hearts is that everybody would come to the Lord. That's what, that's what his heart is, and that's what our heart is. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And if we ask everyone here, that's, that's our heart. This is what Paul was saying in, in Philippians. Okay, chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be. Now, what, is the, what does manner of life mean? Your behavior. Let your behavior with your spouse how you treat your spouse, be worthy of the gospel, or let it match up to the gospel of Christ. Okay? Let the way you raise your children match up to the gospel of Christ. Let every area of your life match up to what the Bible says. Okay? So, so Paul is specifically telling us to get rid of all this stuff. Now, again, I'm just building a case of why we need to get rid of hypocrisy. In the Old Testament, I'll give you an illustration of this, God reached into the Ur of Chaldees and he grabbed Abraham. And from Abraham, he established the nation of the Jews. And he brought this nation among all the other nations and they were to be this shining light. How wonderful... Listen, how wonderful it would be to literally have no king except Jehovah. 
And they were to, to, to spread how great it is to just have this relationship with God. No king telling you what to do, just God. Okay? And that way other nations would see and want to come and put away their, their idols and stop sacrificing their children and all this other religion. Okay? But it didn't work out that way. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, how he describes the nation of Israel. Let's go to that. Or Romans chapter 2, excuse me. <clears throat> Look at verse 21, it says, and he's kind of, he says, and then you then who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? Now, this is a rhetorical question, but you'll get this in a moment. While you preach against stealing, do you steal? Let's go to the next verse. You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? In other words, he's saying, you're committed adultery. You're saying not to do this, and yet you're doing it. You who abhor idols, do you rob the temple? And of course, every answer is yes. Go on. You who boast in the law, yet you break the law. I mean, this is Paul talking about the Jews in this wonderful nation. Get this next verse, verse 24. As it is written, the name of God is blasphemed amongst the Gentiles because of you. All right. Now, it seems to be a hard message, but smile at me because it's not that bad. Okay, because our goal is to get rid of it. All right. To get rid of hypocrisy so that God can what? Use us as a tool, as an instrument to leverage others into the kingdom. All right. And this is not what we want to be said of us. That's because of us that the heathens are blaspheming God. This is why so many teenagers, listen very carefully, this is the reason so many teenagers are walking away when they get older from the church. Because they're in a home where at church they live one way. And amongst their Christian friends they live one way. But when it comes to the home, they're in the house, it's a completely different lifestyle because there's this gap what we believe and what we truly believe because you look at the 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 first church in the book of acts and how they were committed i mean they died for the cause of christ how close are we at dying for the cause of christ sometimes we sometimes we struggle with living for christ let alone dying for the lord so there is this gap i mean honestly we all struggle with this, one phase or another. And so I want to give you three thoughts, okay? Three truths to help us to get rid of hypocrisy. Number one, get real. Get real. What I mean by that? Get honest. Be transparent. In other words, be who you are. Okay, when somebody comes up to you, uh, this is what's happening in my life. You know, this is what's going on. This is the struggles that I'm having. Just be yourself. Be, now, when I say that, I don't, I don't mean be transparent and get on Facebook and say, this is what's going on in my life. All of these things are happening, and it's horrible. I'm not talking about all of that junk, all right? That's not, that's not being real. That's being stupid. Can I say that? Can I say that? Okay, so thank you. All right, so being honest, being real. Uh, when someone comes up to you, don't have this pretense 
Uh, you, you know what you're going to say because of, of who, you're, who you're talking to. Sometimes we're, we're like this chameleon, right? We, 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 we turn a certain shade of spiritual when we're with this one. We turn a different shade of spiritual when we're with this person. Everybody, everybody, everybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, depending on the conversation, we're not that way. God doesn't want that. He wants us to be who we are. Be real. What really helps me is Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. Look what it says here. This really helps with us and our sometimes wanting to hide who we are and what we're doing and, and what's going on in our lives, okay? There is no creature hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Okay, so, so in your bathroom, in your bedroom, at work, no matter where you're, all, where you're at, God can see everything that's going on. He knows, he, 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 he's not only limited, but he knows our thoughts. And the Bible says the intent of our hearts. He knows them. And so there's no sense in us trying to cover that up. I mean, in one way, it's liberating. We don't have to run around putting this mask on and this mask and this mask. We can just, because if, if he's the one that sees it all, and secondly, he's the one, also says, to whom we give an account. All right? In other words, when I stand before God, he's not going to say, uh, Brent, come up here and... Stand beside Tim for a minute. I want to talk about Tim. And I want you to testify. <laughs> I don't want Brent to do that. Amen. He's got, or, or maybe Brent's up there. And seriously, the Lord says, uh, Pat, you're his pastor, so come up here. We're going to talk about Brent. Now, now uh, and then, of course, I would stand for Brent, right? No, that's not the way it's going to happen. Brent's going to be there all by himself. And he's going to give an account for every single thought, every single deed, Right there with the Lord. It's him and God. He is the one that we must give an account to by ourselves. That's liberating. Therefore, I don't have to be this person that tries to be or measure up to everybody else's expectation. There's no Because he's the one that I really need to worry about. Amen? And he already knows me. He already knows how frail and how... What a failure that I am in most of my life. So I can just be myself. I mean, get real, right? We all are a mess. And the great thing about all this, I mean, be honest. When, when somebody's real and they're genuine, it's a breath of fresh air. You ever talk to somebody and they're already thinking about what they're going to say and they're not listening to the last part of your sentence because they're thinking of what they're going to say? You ever been around people like that? Or you have a story and then have one just like it? It's refreshing when somebody is honest and open. You know what happens? We're talking about the college. Let's put this in context. The context. Go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let's put this in the context of what we're talking about. We're talking about our hypocrisy hinders the work of God. But our good works, they propel the work of God. So when somebody's honest and they trust us, because that's what happens when somebody's honest. 
oh man, I can trust. I, I was telling Judy, that, I think it was last night, I said, I trust that guy. Why? Because he's genuine. I can, his walls are down. And because his walls are down, it helps me to bring my walls down. Everybody follow? No, so I said, in the same way, let your light shine before others. What? I have a light? What's the light? So that they may see your what? Good works. That's my light. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Your good works literally bring God and others together. Everybody see that right there? It's right there. Our good works can help somebody else glorify God. But when we have hypocrisy, we push people away from God. But when we're open and honest, it literally brings. Because they take their walls down. I mean, that's what we want, amen? So hypocrisy, I mean, we're all on board. We're all a mess. We pretty well all raise our hands. We got this gap of what I believe and what I really believe. What I really believe and what I practice. Oh, yeah, I know Christians aren't supposed to do this, or we're supposed to do this, but I'm over here, and yeah. There's a gap. So we want to get rid of that gap. Number one, get real. Number two, get perspective. Get perspective. What I mean by this is, what does God think about us? I mean, really, what do you think God thinks about you? What do you think about yourself? If Jesus was walked through that back door right now, and he would go around the room and sit down with each one of us, and he had to have a conversation with you, what do you think, when he walked away after that conversation, what would be one word that he would describe how he felt for you? We would say, well, theologically, he would say love. Right? Theologically, I know he loves me. Okay? But down in the recesses of your heart and the recesses of your mind, what one word would you say God would describe? Most of us would use the word disappointed. We'd use disappointed. Because we're lining our behavior up with God's feelings. And that's normal. Luke chapter 19. I want to give you a story. That Luke chapter 19. I'm just going to throw this in here. It's a story about Zacchaeus. Everybody knows the story of Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Everybody with me? Okay. Wee little man. So he, he can't see Jesus. Jesus is walking down the trail. So he climbs up the tree. Jesus sees him. In verse 1 of 19, it begins to describe Zacchaeus that he was a tax collector. Now, does anybody know what a tax collector did collect taxes, right? But he did more than tax collect, collect taxes. He collected money for himself as well. In other words, he took as much as he wanted or as much as he could con the people out of giving their taxes, but he'd keep a major portion for himself. Everybody hated them. They, kept, they, they called them tax collectors and then sinners. So tax collectors were worse than sinners. All right, everybody following me? Now, Zacchaeus was in this boat. He was this horrible person. But then the Bible doesn't only just say tax collector. It says chief. Does that give you a description of, of this wicked guy? In fact, when he got saved, he got transformed, he says, I'm going to pay back four times the amount of money I stole from everybody. 
Okay? So he was the chiefest of sinners. Now, here's the great story here that will help us to understand, get a right perspective of how God thinks about us. He's walking along. He sees Zacchaeus up in a tree. What does he do? He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Because I'm going to come to your house and hang out. Now, what do religious people do? Man, they got upset. How dare you go hang out with this sinful person? Well, when you go to a person's house in Jesus' day and you have dinner and you just hang out there, they wash your feet, you know, they do all these things. I mean, you're just a guest in this home. That means that you accept them. That means you love, that means you were tight back in Jesus' day. Okay? Then just go watch a football game. Then you can just watch a baseball game and hang out and just, just not pay attention. They were tight. Now, apply that to you. Here this guy is a tax collector, the chiefest of tax collectors. Jesus says, I'm coming and we're going to hang out because I love you and we're close. Now think about that. I mean, that's, that's awesome when you think about you and your relationship with God. I mean, here was the tax collector, the chiefest tax collector, and Jesus is approaching him like that. What does he say about you? In the perspective of Scripture, not the perspective perspective of your deeds, but your perspective from the Word of God. Come and dine. What do you hear? It's, it's, it's like, this helps us to be number one. This helps us to be honest. This helps us to be forthcoming. This helps us to be truth, transparent. The, number two helps us with number one, okay? Knowing that God loves me. It's not just words. He truly looks at me and loves me just as I am. This mess that I'm in, this gap that I have, we all have it, this gap that I have, he jumps in my world and says, Fleener, guess what? I love you. And I want to dine with you. I want to spend some time with you. Okay? Get real. Get perspective. And number three, all right, get better. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Get better. You have this gap. We all have this gap. What we actually believe and what we're practicing. Okay? We all have this gap. Why is that gap there, first of all? It's a hard issue. Am I correct? It's a hard issue. Okay? Listen what uh, Proverbs uh, says here. That's not the one. That's all right. Proverbs 4.23. Do you have that one? Okay, that's fine. It says, out of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's actually Jesus' word, okay? From, from, from the inside of the heart is the issues of life. That's Proverbs 4.23, okay? So, what are the issues of life? That's everything. So, it all starts in here, okay? It all starts in our heart. But then it comes outwardly. And so, we have to... We have to get within the heart and deal with some issues in the heart. Uh, you don't have 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 either. I, think, I didn't think I put that on there. But write that on your notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It talks about this. As we spend time with the Lord in the Word. Okay? Let me stop there. 
how many of you know that it's important that every day you spend time in the Word of God? Okay? All of us. Pretty well. Did all of us do that? Or just some of us? How many believe? Okay. Let's wake up a little bit here this morning. How many believe this morning that the Christian way is to read the Bible at least once a day? All right? Okay, so that is what God wants us to. And we find that all through the, the Bible that God wants us to be in the Scriptures. So here it is. As we're in the Scriptures on a daily basis, we're talking about the heart, God has a chance with that truth to get inside of us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, or chapter 3, excuse me, verse 18, says that it transforms us. Now listen, the Word of God transforms us into the image of His Son. It's not the preaching of the Word of God that transforms us. It's the hearing and it getting down deep in our hearts. That transforms us. So if we're not in the Word, it's never going to happen. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Okay? Talks about that. You know the will of God and you're transformed by the renewing of your mind in the Scriptures. You, you tr- you're transformed. So, I couldn't think of a way to really drive this home this morning outside of just giving you an illustration of one of my quiet times. Can I do that? Okay, one of my quiet times. Okay, so I'll just pick Tuesday was one of my favorite quiet times. Okay, so, so I'm in bed. It's about 9.30 in the morning. I'm still in bed. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm sleeping in the morning, and as I'm sleeping, I'm asking God to just kind of speak to me this morning in my devotions, you know, in my quiet time, and, and uh, so I get up. Judy's already gone to work, so I get my Bible out, and I'm, I'm the only one. I go to the kitchenette, and I got the counter, so I'm standing right there, and so I just like to read out loud and just pray, and so, so I come up to Philippians 4.1. I'm in Philippians right now. I, read about, I don't read through the Bible in a year. I usually read the Bible, New Testament in a year, so I can really focus on some verses. Okay, so I'm in Philippians 4. So I, I and I'm just going to read it out of, out of here, but I, ju- I just begin by, therefore, this is the NIV, you got the ESV, therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, and, I, and, so, and, and this is God speaking to us, so I'm just, I'm just thinking, right? Okay, so Paul's in prison, prison and he longs to see this church. And he describes the church as my joy and my crown. That kind of struck me. Hmm. And then it says, in this way stand firm. That's what jumped out at me. Okay. In what way stand firm? Okay. It's a little bit different there, but still the same thought. In this stand firm. In what? I didn't really understand what he's talking about from verse 1. So the word therefore in verse 1 takes me back where to the previous idea i'm just telling my thoughts in my devotion just me and the lord being transparent here being real okay therefore takes me back up to the previous verse so i go back up and i find verse 17 that it's giving me some instruction and so verse 17 says brother join in following my example he's talking to the church he says listen follow my example stand firm in following my example not just that 
Keep on going. You got you to fight to stay alert. As I'm having my quiet time. It's kind of boring to you. But stay alert. Amen? Fight off the sleepiness. Fight off the hunger this afternoon to have that slider from White Castle. All right? Amen. That woke somebody up. Okay. Brother, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to my pattern. In other words, stand firm in following what I'm teaching and join with others who are following the same thing. Stand firm in that. Everybody see that? That spoke to me. I jotted it down. I thought, what else does he want me to stand firm in? Verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Mark them who are enemies of the cross. I don't... How do I know who are the enemies of the Christ? That's, I mean, that's what came to mind. So I had to read on. Whose end is destruction. Well, that doesn't tell me nothing. That's eternity. Whose God is their appetite. Whoa. All of a sudden, I'm starting to see. Okay? We're doing great on time, guys. Stay with me. Okay? So, so I'm to stand firm following Paul's teaching from the Word of God and understand firm in joining those who are following. I need to get, get, a, get a small group that's following Jesus. Get in a church that's really following the Lord's teaching from the Word of God. That's what he's saying. But that's not. And then identify those that are not. Whose God is their appetite. Who, who's worshiping power, money, popularity, pleasures. I mean, all of that people, that's their gods and that's what they go. Mark them and don't follow them. Follow this. Everybody see that? Stand firm in this. That's pretty good, man. I was just... Okay. Then it goes on. Who glory in their shame. They're excited and they glory in their sinfulness. All right. Who mind earthly things. Ah, so I got basically just going on, go on, on detail. So I got the picture. Stand firm in following my example that you know in the Word of God and join with those. I mean, stand firm. And then he said something else. Next verse. For our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. I'm, I'm serious. I've never put this together before. I mean, I have the, the thought, but not all this context together. So I said, okay, so my citizenship is in heaven. I'm just a stranger here, right? This, I, I don't have dual citizenship. I, this is not my home. That's what, that's what, does everybody come away with the same thing I'm coming away with? I'm just here for a while. That's what I got from this. I'm not a citizen here. I'm a citizen of there. Then we go down to verse one, Okay. I'm just a citizen. And Paul's talking about his own life. He says, you Philippians are my joy and my crown. The word crown means victory. It's this reef of Paul's day that they got for winning an Olympic game. Paul said they were his crown. They were his reef. And then he says, stand firm in this. So I stepped back and I said, okay, Lord, what are you trying to say? I try to put all this together, and that is this. Listen very carefully. 
God literally dropped me into this planet at this specific time, at the specific location of Beach Grove, Indiana, with parents that I would have never chosen. Never! I mean, if I'm going to choose, you know, (laughs) it's going to be with somebody with some money, right? I mean, somebody with some looks, right? I mean, and definitely somebody with some smarts, right? I'd be smart because I'm from smart parents, right? Okay, I didn't get that. You know that, right? Okay, so, I mean, if, but God did. He literally dropped me in this time, in this world, for a specific purpose, and that was to win the reef. What reef? People. The church. They were his reef. Now, okay, so Matthew, okay, so Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says that, that Jesus started his church and the gates of hell will not prevent the church from accomplishing its job. The gates of hell will not stop us from busting down the gates in this world that we don't belong in to help somebody, to reach out to somebody and bring them out of the bondage. They're caged in in their bondage to break those gates down and rescue them from perishing. I mean, I mean, that's what I got from this. That's the conclusion. God dropped me in this world that I'm not part of. My citizenship there. And I am here for the purpose of doing all these good works to help people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know how much, you know, it's time I, I don't think of that on a daily basis. Pretty well all the time. And yet, that's what this teaches us. My devotion with my God on a daily basis is going to close that gap. Because I'm going to start thinking more and more like the Lord. And He's going to transfer This word is what transforms me into what He wants me to be. And if I don't have that devotion like I just had, where you just read it, you just ask questions, say, what are you talking about? Then you come to an inclusion, the Holy Spirit can take it and transform you into the husband that you need to be. Where, where like Christ loved the church and gave himself, or the wife you need to be, or the, the child that you need to be. The word of God is what transforms us. Get real. Get perspective. And then this last one. Right here. Okay? Get better. Close that gap. Here's the thought before we leave. There are people waiting for you, for your manner of life, to match what you believe. Okay? People are waiting. Jesus tells a story in Matthew or John chapter 4. He's at the woman of the well. The woman at the well gets saved. She goes and tells the, the whole city of Samaritan, that Jesus is there. They're coming down the hill to meet Jesus. His disciples, on the other hand, went to go get something to eat. They come back and are trying to get Jesus to eat. So they're focused on food. And, and, and the Samaritans are coming down the hill. Get the picture? They're focused on their bellies and getting their food. And Jesus is already prepared. And there's these people coming down the hill to get saved. This is what Jesus says. As they're focused on their food, he says, lift up your eyes. Well, first he says, say not that there's four months, then comes harvest. 
Don't put off. <laughs> That's really good. But lift up your eyes and look on the fields. All these people coming. They're white, ready to be saved. There's a lot of people out there that are just ready to be saved. And they're just waiting for you to realize that your life is in the hands of God as leveraging other people to the cause of Christ. He's just waiting. They want... I, I know if we told every one of your stories, you would say, well, finally, somebody told me about the Lord. Finally. I was in Bloomington, Indiana, going to all those churches for three years of really rough childhood. I get to Indianapolis. The first thing that happened, three dudes pull the car and they start witnessing to me. Scared me to death. All right? The second thing that happened, I saw Judy. Well, she saw me. She came after me and invited me to church to a pizza blast. See, I was ready for three years. Because as soon as Judy sat down with me at White Castle and told me and then took, took me to her dad and then he railed on me. Not really. He gave me the scripture. Man, I wanted, I was thirsty. But somebody just slowed their life down long enough to talk to me about the Lord. There's this gap, guys. And we've got to do better. Forget for ourselves. There's not enough motivation there. We don't care enough about ourselves. What about those around us? What about the reputation of our God? Let that motivate you. So let's not let hypocrisy, the lack of faith, and all these other things hinder us and hinder, I should say, the work of God. Everybody said? I was really hard. It's really, if you look at it in the wrong perspective, and I don't want you to look at that, I want you to look at, yeah, I, I'm a mess. Because, I mean, we, are, we know we are. I'm a mess. And I want to close the gap for the sake of those watching on the outside. Because everybody's watching. Everybody's watching. Everybody's watching. The other day I had a guy come over to, um, I'm cutting the grass, and a neighbor come over to my house and, and I was, I was upset about something. So he comes over. Instead of thinking about him, what, what I do? I just, that, that stuff that was just laying, I just told him. I just dumped it. It's like, oh, he walked away like this, I'm sure. Why did I even go talk to the dude, right? <laughs> I blew it! Okay? That's all right, because we all blow it. That's why First John uh, uh, 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. We just get up and we go again. Fantastic stuff, guys. Don't let this weigh heavy on you. Let it be an exhortation to close that gap from what you believe and what you practice. It is vital. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning. Just thank you so much for your word. Oh, God, it is powerful. It's rich. It literally is applicable to our everyday lives. I pray this morning that you would help us this morning to grab it, take it home and just gnaw on it, chew on it a while and let this truth sink down deep in our hearts, Lord. God, how I pray that you would bless. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. As we're standing this morning, we're going to have the band sing. But I, I do want to pray for one other thing. I forgot. Um, so we're going to pray for...
We're going to pray for our, our hearts right now again, but we're going to pray specifically for a couple of people. Um, Heather Goodman's mom had a massive heart attack. So she drove out to Alabama, I believe, Louisiana. She, she drove out. She was driving all night last night. Her mom is still alive, praise God. But she asked us to pray for her mother. And then Junior's mother's in the hospital with some heart complications. And she goes under tomorrow for some, some stints and some other possible things. And so we want to pray for her as well. Uh, but we also want to pray for our hearts, amen, that our hearts will be. Yes, amen, amen. Puerto Rico. Yeah, amen. Amen, amen. Puerto Rico, and uh, we started a church out there several years ago, actually two churches out there, so we need to pray for Puerto Rico as well, that God's hand will be in all of that. Let's go to the Lord. Father, again, we're thankful for your love and your goodness. Father, we pray for Heather's mother that you would just be involved in that. And Father, I pray you'd raise her up and let everyone see your hand and your power demonstrated in the life of this lady. Father, just, just do your work in an amazing way. And we pray also for Junior's mother that you would bless there. And Father, for both of these ladies, that they get back to normal living uh, for you and for your glory, Father. Then for Puerto Rico, Father, we pray that through this, the churches would just rally. I know, I know there's many Christians that are flying over there, doing some great things over there. And I pray that this be a time in Puerto Rico for revival, that many would come to know you through this tragic, this, this really, uh, uh, we would call it Mother Nature. But Father, this is, your hand is all over this. So Father, I pray you'd use this for your glory and for your honor. Bring food, medication, and all that stuff, and let people look up and depend upon you for just life, basic life. And Father, we'll give you the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. As the plates are going to come forward this morning, we're going to sing this last song. After the song, you're dismissed. All right? Lord bless you this morning.